Hey, and welcome to the Quest Podcast. We are so excited that you are here. Life with Christ is an absolute journey, and you do not have to do it alone. Jesus is in every single bit of it. We are excited to help you connect the Bible, the Word of God, to our culture and your calling. God has so many great things in store for you and for the world around us if we choose to step in with his mission and his calling in our lives. So grab a backpack, a water bottle, and join us on the adventure. Hey guys, uh, Michaela Wickham here. I'm here with Brent Dongel and the Dr. Bob Black. We are so excited uh, for you guys to join us today. Uh, We heard from Jacob Clapp last week. And so this week we are going to hear from Dr. Bob Black. I'm going to have you introduce yourself, um, Dr. Black, and just tell us who you are and what you do here at SWU. Hi, my name is Bob Black, and as a professor here at Southern Wesleyan, I had the privilege of teaching Michaela Wickham. (laughs) And so I share whatever blame comes out of that (laughs) because I'm partially responsible, at least. Um, I'm... I retired as a full-time professor. I'm currently just uh, teaching part-time, and um, uh, this would be my 34th year at Southern Wesleyan. Dr. Black, what kind of courses uh, did you normally teach, or are you teaching right now? My degree field is church history, so I taught church history courses primarily, but also Bible courses, because all of us in the Division of Religion shared that responsibility and privilege. Um, in addition to that, uh, courses on preaching and basic Christian beliefs, primarily. Yeah, I got to take your preaching class one time voluntarily because I just wanted to sit in and hang out, and then another time uh, for real <laughs> when I actually got the grade. Right, so yeah. That's good. Uh, it was always an amazing class to be able to uh, hear from Dr. Black and all of his plethora of knowledge. <laughs> it's super fun. So. <laughs> Um, In this series, we're talking about calling. Again, if you are just joining us or um, have forgotten what we're talking about, uh, what's cool about Dr. Black is he has been involved in the process of so many people uh, who are being equipped in their calling to ministry, which is exciting. So we're going to start with the first question. What does it mean to be called by God as you have studied, as you've looked at church history, um, and studied people called by God, what does that actually mean in a general sense to you? Scripture is full of references to God's call Mm -hmm. in one way or another on our lives. I mean, the the Greek word for church is ekklesia. It means the called out ones, the ones that God has called out of sin into righteousness, out of our homes into fellowship with others in church. And... um, and so we're called in a number of different ways. Uh, the scripture says we're called to faith. It says we're called to holiness. It says we're called to service. And so God's call is, is his will for us being realized in our lives in a variety of different ways, I think, all the way from being a part of the family of the church to doing specific things that God has equipped us to do. Yeah, how do you—I I hear— you talk about this general calling. What would that look like? What does that calling look like in Scripture? Every Christian has a call. Every Christian has multiple calls from God to to be more like Christ in various ways. And so it, it's, it's, it used to be in the Middle Ages 
that the call was only for the clergy, was only for ministers. Martin Luther, more than anybody else, was responsible for changing that and saying, anytime somebody is doing what God has in mind for them to do, they're answering his call. They are, they're being faithful to God's leading and prompting in their lives. Um, the word vocation now means occupation, any occupation. But before Luther, vocation only meant ministerial occupations. And so he, he saw more clearly than anybody else that God wasn't just calling a few. He was calling some to specialize ministry, but he was calling everybody in one way or another to be his representatives in every, every kind of human endeavor. Yeah, it's like a boots-on-the-ground mentality. It is. Almost of like Jesus calling out for more laborers, no matter what their job field looked like. Um, somebody, go. somebody said, if, if Satan can convince us that only the ministers are mm-hmm. the ones who are doing God's work, then he's eliminated 98% of the, of the potential workforce mm-hmm. in the church. Nobody and and nobody would love that more than him. So... And you're not saying the first call, but it's almost like a foundational, or maybe first call, is a call to obedience. It's a, it's a, it's almost a calling to live out God's will, as the, kind of as the yeah. call ones is kind of the beginning. Foundation yeah. Call. And if we say no to that call, it preempts all the other calls. Mm-hmm. They're they're not going to happen. But if we're open, if we say, Lord, you lead and I'll follow, then that's answering a call. And what does the word disciple mean? It's a follower. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to follow. We're following the one who has called us. Yeah. How do, we, how do we decipher or differentiate between this calling to ministry specifically? Why do we focus on that so deeply? Yeah. Well, I, I, Scripture does in a, in a sense because uh, Paul talks to Timothy about um, the gifts that God has given him for specialized service mm-hmm. and the hands that were laid on him. He mentions that in the book as well, which which sounds like an early form of ordination of ministers, of the church saying, we see that God has gifted you for service in a special way in the church, in a unique way in the church, and we are pleased that you have answered that call, and we're affirming that call. So ordination in the church is the church not calling somebody, God does that, but affirming the call of God. We see evidence of God's call in your life. I think it's it's important to say this is not a higher call than somebody else. Yeah. It's it's a specialized call. Mm-hmm. It's not a, I've heard it described as a call to full-time Christian service. And that's not right because every Christian is called a full-time Christian service. It's just not all the same kind of service. So this is this is leadership in the church mm-hmm. under the leadership of Christ and God gives gifts to some uh, and a call that goes with those gifts. Yeah. What if someone's trying to discern that that specific call to ministry? Are there things that they can look for um, as they're discerning? You talked about the laying on of hands, like in ordination. Would that be like looking for a youth leader or someone calling out specific gifts in you? Like, what kind of stuff can they be looking for? For hey, I might feel called to ministry, but like I need some more like substance to that. Yeah. Um, the Wesleyan Church describes the call in, in a series of steps. The, the first call um, is 
Christian graces? Has has God forgiven your sins? Has God uh, reoriented your life? Are you a believer? Is the first absolute requirement. The second has to do with um, spiritual gifts. Did God give you um, facility, uh, ease, um, a, a, a sense of, of I can do this with regard to the tasks that specialized ministry requires? For example, people skills, um, speaking skills, or at least the willingness to learn them. Um, a, a, a mind that is able to focus on the things of God and grow in that over the years, because nobody starts off fully developed, but but uh, to to mature in Christ. So that's that's an important part. Um, is there is there fruit for your ministry already before you get ordained, before you become a minister in the church of some kind or another? Are people being strengthened in their faith by you already? You know, can you can you say yes? I am witnessing to my friends. I am sharing the gospel with other people, because if you're not doing it now or not willing to do it now, then it's not going to happen later on. Laying on of hands is not going to make that happen. It's, it's like, got to already it's be not in like us. magical pixie dust. That's like, it. You're yeah. now like, like. <laughs> yeah, that that's what does not happen. And the that fourth. Would have that yeah, <laughs> the fourth thing that the church says is that you have this abiding sense that God has placed his hand on your life and wants you to do something in specialized ministry. It's an abiding call because we all have ups and downs and we all have times where we get discouraged. But um, over time, this won't go away. This, this conviction that God does want me to assume leadership in some area of ministry in his church. And if you can check off those boxes, then you're well on the way to presenting yourself to the rest of the church as one that God has called, and then their ordination is confirmation of, of their agreement. Yeah. That abiding thing is so interesting to me, too. I don't think earlier on I realized, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but once you're ordained, you don't ever get reordained. Right. It's, it's, there's like this calling is a calling for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not something you, you're good, you're good moments, you're bad moments, you drop off and pick back up. It's yeah. something that, um, it's an affirming that this is your life set apart in this way. Yeah, exactly. Which doesn't mean that you can't take a new path in that call mm-hmm. in the future. Um, I started off as a pastor in church and now God's called me to the classroom. I really believe my call to the classroom is just as real as my call to the pulpit in the church was, and and um, I have a, a, a friend who would ask me, do are you ever going to go back into the ministry? And my answer was, I never left the ministry. I'm still wow. doing what God's called me to do, but there's been a shift. He opened a new door, and uh, it's 34 years now. I've been walking through that new door as as a continuation of the promise that I made him way back before I even took my first church. So going back to young Dr. Black, figuring out his... <laughs> Boy, that is a long calling. way to go back. <laughs> um, figuring out his calling to ministry, what did that look like for you personally? Well, I grew up in the church. My dad's a minister. My granddad was a minister. And um, I had I had a, a sense of, of, of a ministerial calling when I was a teenager. Um, I couldn't have articulated it probably. And, and maybe not described it all that well, 
but I just sensed that God wanted me to play a role in the church in the future, and I wanted to learn all I could to be able to do that. But that's just one story. Everybody's got a, a unique story. It doesn't chart the same way. It's not, it doesn't have to, to touch all the same points on the graph. But for me, it was just a conviction from the from my earliest years that that God had had something in store for me in the church, and I wanted to find out what it was. That's awesome. And then steps of obedience after that. Yeah. And discovery. <laughs> There's both. Yeah. Uh, someone told me one time if they. If, if God had laid out their entire life before them, right, as they were beginning to figure out a calling to ministry, they wouldn't have done it because it was just so much. Uh-huh. But what's cool is that God shows us in steps um, because he knows what we can handle in a moment, even though he sees where we're going and what we're doing. Exactly. Um, but he's there for the journey with us. I would love to ask you a question around... Uh, Students that are coming in are thinking, man, I, I sense a call, but I'm not sure. And they're trying to figure that out, even as they're entering college, but in high school. And so um, I just think you've, you've seen that over the years and the empowerment of that. And so a couple of questions or things I would preface with that is sometimes you'll hear a student say, well, I don't need a degree to preach Jesus. Okay. And so I'd be curious, like that one, one concept is, well, I'll get a degree in some other career and then I'll, I can do this. So I think there's something about the vocation too that's almost like, well, um, there's these things that are set apart for Christian leaders, but shouldn't every Christian do that? So, so it almost feels like, um, is there a difference or not? And so I'd be curious as to how you would go into that. So for me even, um, in Ephesians 4, it talks about how um, set, some are set apart to train the church, build up the church. And it seems like the apostles, prophets, teachers, one thing they have in common is they all are dealing with the word. They all, are, in some way, are dealing with proclaiming God's truth to other people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you can make the same argument. Um, shouldn't that just be all Christians? So so I guess for me, how do you distinguish in some way if someone's like, man, no, I feel a specific call to, like, and it feels like that versus, like, um, it's just everyone. So if someone's trying to figure out, um, Dr. Black, I, I feel like I want to help people, but I'm not sure I want to be a traditional pastor or... Uh, Dr. Black, I, I still have a, a, a people. I'm just not sure. I feel like I'm good at preaching, mm-hmm. but is that there or not? How do you help people? Because I don't think you're saying everyone should be a pastor. No, so, of course so how not. How do you how do you help someone distinguish between those in that, in that whole? It boils down to their own realization of what God wants them to do, and I, I'm a, I'm a little reluctant to become a third party in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, you were you were joking with me a while ago about whether uh, the role of a professor is to be the judge as to whether somebody's been called or not. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it is, but I think the role of the professor is to raise the question for consideration and to help the person work through it. So um, it's absolutely true that God needs uh, lay witnesses for him, not just clergy witnesses for him. God needs... Mm-hmm needs uh, examples um, of, of Christ-likeness in, uh, in, the, in the occupations of the world that, that interact with people Monday through Saturday, not just Sundays in church. And uh, I, that's his call. It's not the church's call. It's certainly not the teacher's call on that person's life. But if, if we can encourage somebody 
because often Satan's tool to eliminate people from ministry uh, awareness is discouragement and fear that they don't have what it takes. If we can encourage somebody to pursue that call, to test that call, and then to see, uh, to realize that if the answer is no, I'm not called to that specialized ministry, but I am called to be the best witness to Christ I can be in education, in law, in medicine, in whatever field they go in, then God wins. That's that's a victory for the church. Um, and the the end result is that Christ is glorified, Christ is magnified in new ways, in new places by people who are answering that call. So it would be wrong for somebody who feels called to a non-church ministry to say, well, the only way I can be of service to Christ is, is as a pastor. But it would also be, be wrong if, if God has tapped somebody to be a pastor to say, well, I believe I can be an insurance agent. Um, there, it, the, the Holy Spirit is the voice that speaks in all of this. And when all is said and done, when teachers have made their input, when family have, have expressed opinions, when they have done their own consideration of how, how are my gifts lined up for what service, the bottom line is that the last voice is always the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. who confirms or guides in a new direction. And um, he's never wrong. If we'll, if we'll listen to him, he'll direct all of us in the position that God intends for us to have. I've seen that dynamic in so many people I've talked to. They feel and hear the calling of the Holy Spirit, but there's so many other voices. And so they have to reach a point where they say, what voice am I going to listen to? Because all the other voices might have really, really good stuff to say, mm-hmm. whether that's pointing them towards what the Holy Spirit wants or away from. Uh, but there's almost this moment where uh, God actually gets deeper trust from a person when they choose to say, oh, I'm going to listen to this deep calling of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'll consider what other people say, but with the heart knowing that like the Holy Spirit's words are the most powerful right. and the most truthful because God knows me. Yeah. And um, he has a specific plan for me. And I think that's okay to say God has a very specific plan for each and every one of us, um, just as specific as he created us. Very true. The interesting thing about you saying that is I feel like when people come to that heart moment with the Holy Spirit and like, I'm doing this, whatever the cost, I feel like for so, I feel like sometimes the reaction from other people is that makes sense. Like, it's about time. And I feel like for other people, they're like, no, no that doesn't make sense. I feel like there's other times they're like, are you sure you're not just being overly emotional or just passionate or just doing what someone else is telling you to do? So I feel like that, like you're saying the voices, that's so hard in that moment to make that decision. Cause sometimes it's just really affirmed, but other times it's, it's still left in deliberation. You're like, I, I yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like my parents or friends, other people are questioning that. And I don't, I, I yes. So yeah. it's interesting that dynamic. And, and if we could take that one step further, it, a person may say, I really feel that I heard the Holy Spirit calling me into specialized ministry, but the pastor, it doesn't, I'm, I've never found my, um, my a, a sense of being at home, in, maybe with my first church or, or, or as a youth pastor or children's pastor starting out. Uh, that doesn't mean you're not called. It doesn't mean you're not called to specialized ministry because uh, God's call is not a tightrope that one misstep and you've fallen off of it, it's like a four-lane highway. If, mm-hmm. if you're going in God's direction, 
there may be different ways that you can serve him in the church as as full-time ordained minister um, and and it doesn't have to fit into the one character one one category like uh, for instance uh, lead pastor of a church uh, Dr. Black, you spend a lot of time in the class. Both of you, actually. I'm the only one not in classrooms anymore. <laughs> yeah! Um, <laughs> um, I'm actually, like, in the church and around college students that get out of your classes, and they, like, walk out of your classes like they just got off a roller coaster. Like, what just happened? Like, it's so cool to watch. Um, but I guess for both of you, what do you value most in actually equipping these leaders? You're face-to-face teaching those who are being equipped for their callings to ministry right now, uh, what do you value most in your role, and what are some things that you really try to hit on in the classroom and outside of the classroom to help these students uh, be equipped for their callings? You know, like, uh, I can be overly basic. It's not overly basic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy to say, but hard to do. Uh, but there's a lot more. But in general, for me, integrity is huge. Um, yeah. The, there's... Um, Andy Stanley would say, um, as young Christian leaders, um, our talent can sometimes far outlast our character, and that ought to scare us. And so he was just mm-hmm. talking about how early successes, we can take shortcuts, but end up running ourselves dry. So for me, there's something about integrity earlier on. Like, um, But even in college, that's the hard part. Some people that are a little bit raw or rowdy can still uh, find their way. And so there's sometimes, if you were to challenge or judge someone at one state you might say they're not ready but you never quite know how or when God's going to work or kind of resolve things in a person's heart and so um, but there's this integrity thing to where if someone doesn't resolve some of those things they're going to struggle in ministry and just relationally dynamics wise and then there's a confidence side there's another side of just knowing what you're doing Um, but for me the integrity is the first and foremost starting point I want to send out as many ministers that I know I can trust that both up front and behind the scenes honoring Christ and that's my starting point over and over again. Well, that's that is exactly the right starting point, I think. Uh, and and I think sometimes when a person comes to the church for the affirmation of ordination, the the answer should not be either yes or no, it should be wait. It should be let's give it a year. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 see how Christian maturity affects the way that you're fulfilling the promise of God's call on your life, and that's not a, a a negative vote against the person at all. It's just a recognition that um, to to be a representative of Lord Jesus Christ requires that level of mature integrity that a person may be moving toward but hasn't quite yet reached. It's it's, it's a very valid point. Uh, uh, another point you would expect to hear from a teacher is teachability, um, a, a, a a learning. Openness to learning on the part of a person, and not just for the years they're in school, but lifelong learning. I want to know what are you reading? Uh, what are you willing to read? Uh, uh, who are you listening to? And and how are you advancing in your own continuing preparation for ministry? I don't think it's ever over. If, if we stopped learning, we've stopped achieving the goals that God has for us, no matter how long we've been in ministry. Yeah, I think I felt all of those pieces in uh, interacting with you. I didn't take a class with you, Brent, but yeah. Dr. Black, we, we would have reading to do, um, and 
you would hand us a sheet of paper or on our tests at the end it would say did you read all of this part of this some, like how much did you read and that was like a heart thing <laughs> and so there's that integrity piece yeah, that's too. right we we knew the content but yeah. at the end it was like did you actually read everything because you would could have gotten everything right on the test but did you actually read the full entirety of what you had asked us and those are moments where i was like are we going to have integrity here or not Good. because sometimes i didn't read everything mm-hmm. um but man it just i see that worked into the way that you teach um and that is so amazing mm-hmm. but awesome um is there anything else that we want to hit on uh i I have one last question. You are the historian of Wesleyan historians. Uh, And so you have studied and looked at so many people uh, in their callings to ministry over the years. Um, How can we look back at people who have been called to big things throughout church history and have that inform us about how we can move forward too? Oh, that's... That's just like a softball pitch from you, which is not surprising at all. But it's a softball pitch for a teacher. I think yesterday's church wants to talk to today's church. And the subject is tomorrow's church. That, that we look back on, on the Wesleys. We look back on Francis Asbury. We look back on, on Wesleyan leaders like Orange Scott and Luther Lee. Yeah. And we and, and we and then we see present leaders like Joanne Lyon and Wayne Schmidt and others in the Wesleyan Church. Every denomination has them, and and we say, what is what can I learn from their faithful service to God, and from the 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 record of that service? How can that be make input into my life, and and how can I, in effect uh, stand on their shoulders? We're not the first generation of the church. God has raised people up to be the church in generations before us, and they should have a voice. We should be listening to what they want to say about, not necessarily the techniques that the church uses or its methods, but uh, the importance of its message and of its union with Christ in, in their day so that we can find that sweet spot spiritually in our day as well that's the that is the answer that keeps on giving because history is going to continue to inform the present and the future yeah and so future church leaders are listening to this and um Mm -hmm. i get to sit here with two amazing church leaders right now and me just starting out in ministry like i want to i want to be in that history too right um Mm -hmm. not because of like oh i want to be in history but because i want to be obedient to the lord sure in um, everything that I do. so. And somebody 50 years from now may be saying, you can be a Michaela Wickham <laughs> to somebody else. Dead serious. That's humbling. <laughs> Dead serious. Well, I want to be a Bob Black. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to us today. We are excited for you to continue to join us on our Quest Calling series. We are loving, absolutely loving doing this podcast. Thank you, Dr. Black. Yes, thank you. My pleasure. Today. Happy um, to. Again, so much wisdom, and uh, we have a ton of fun, too. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely loved taking classes with Dr. Black because he's so passionate about what he's teaching. And so uh, if you know somebody in your life that's passionate about the church and passionate about ministry, get as much knowledge as you can from them. 
um, while you can. So we love you guys. We will see you next time. Have a great day.